Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. You're listening to the Let Him Cook Podcast fueled by Cody Road in the Wild Rose Casino Studios. Nigel, I am back. I was I was down from about Sunday till Friday last week. I was had a fever, sore throat. I don't know what it was, but it was not a lot of fun. But if that's the price I have to pay for Iowa State to beat Kansas and Brock Purdy to go to a Super Bowl, by all means, would do it again. So, but happy to be back. Was upset that we missed last week's episode. It is a great time to be an Iowa State Cyclone basketball fan. I heard you had kind of an opening statement, and I'm not sure what this is, but I'll just, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it over to you and and let you speak your piece here. Yeah, I just want to say fresh fresh off the bag, That's brand nice. new Tyrese Halliburton jersey. Shot to Tyrese becoming an All Star for the first time. Well, not All Star starter Started. for the first time. I should re re say, but. My my original statement is kind of banking off with everything you just said. Aside from you getting strep throat uh, last yeah. week, damn, it feels good to be a cyclone. Mm. I mean, let's just take it in for a second, guys. We are thriving right now, thriving, and I I couldn't be happier. So I I, I that's that was just that was my opening statement, and uh, let's let's roll in with let's start off with TCU. Yeah, TCU. So I think we've missed five games total. BYU, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, and Kansas. That's a lot of games. We don't have three hours to talk. I wish we did. We're going to start with TCU. Um, Taman Lipsy, of course, out for that game, injured his shoulder. Uh, and, and to me, I was kind of joking around. Curtis Jones has been a great defender all year, but I said this is a Curtis Jones legacy game, kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, not that... When you think legacy game, you think the greats of all time. But yeah. he was going to have to step up in order to win on the road against a really good TCU team. And that is exactly what he did. And not only him, Keyshawn Gilbert had a great game. I, I was just really impressed with the supporting cast. And I even wonder if that has propelled this team forward, given them some confidence of not being able to rely on Tame and Lipsy. And, you know, Curtis Jones might have to go find his shot. And now Keyshawn is more ball dominant and he has to attack and be more aggressive. And I think that game just opened up kind of a, a can of worms in a good sense um, and, and unlocked a lot of capability for this Iowa State offense. Yeah, no, and and to go back to a point we had made off camera, but, I mean, it's just more testament to what the backcourt is. And yeah. not only is this potentially the best backcourt in, in a long time here at Iowa State, but the depth now is really coming to fruition. And I think uh, just Curtis being able to step up when we need him, even this previous weekend, you know, I, I think he's just been huge as of late. And going forward, I think if he can continue on this pedigree, I think we're, we're going to be in good hands going forward. And I was it only won that game by one point, but it, I mean, it was a weird finish. TCU kind of stormed back and it was just a little too late, but Iowa State was in control for most of that second half. TCU is going to be a really good team. They took Baylor to the wire this weekend. Um, no, they won at Baylor. I don't know. That they won. Had... They won in overtime. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like triple three overtimes. Overtime, I think yeah, yeah. One hundred five to one hundred two. 
So TCU's legit, and I, I'm still high on them, and I think that was a great road win. I think any road win you can get in this conference is gravy. I mean, you, you got to protect home court, and then anything you can get on top of that is is what you need. And then this was, Nigel, I said this in maybe the first episode of Let Him Cook, this four-game stretch, we're kind of at halftime, home against Kansas State, home against Kansas, at Baylor, at Texas. I thought that four-game stretch would define the season. I still think it will. And let's start with Kansas State. And we're going to talk about, let's talk about Tang after kind of the game itself, because that, that, I mean, that is kind of what social media got from this game. But the game itself was ugly. I have it here, 47 fouls and 20 missed free throws combined between the two teams. And not a shot at Robert Jones here, but Robert Jones was six of those missed free throws for Iowa State. If you take his free throw percentage out, Iowa State actually shot pretty well from the line. Um, That's an ugly game, and that was a physical game. Um, And Hilton was, until, it's crazy how Hilton just can so quickly be like, that was the best game, and then four days later have their best game. But it was an angry crowd at Hilton yeah. What a, what is that is that the atmosphere coming into play there? What what went wrong for Kansas State, I guess is my question. I think first of all, I thought Kansas State I think Kansas State from what we talked about them at the beginning of the year, they've been very underwhelming. Yeah. Like I just thought they were going to be better than they were overall. Nonetheless, I thought they still came out really flat on Wednesday. Yeah. So like just coming into that game, it felt like we could really pull away like from the jump, but I don't know. I just, I just think that, you know, going into a game like that, I wasn't really nervous. I felt better, especially given off that. I thought, I thought last year's Kansas state team was a lot better than this year's team. And the fact that we handled them with, in my opinion, a less offensively talented roster. I I liked my chances going into, into Wednesday's matchup. So just going forward into that, I think like we played well overall, it was just, I think there was a lot more extra th- theatrics and theories from Kansas State's coaching staff that kind of got in the way of the the just nitty gritty ball and all. So, but and, nonetheless, just a, a hard fought win. And I think you do piss off Hilton, you're going to pay the price. Yeah. And like, like TJ said, it, this is not an environment that he's trying to create where we're ever an underdog, especially at home. And it just felt like, we weren't an underdog. So it was like, just go out there, handle your business. And we did that. And I, I was very satisfied with being able to handle all that extra going on in the background. Like it was just a lot of noise. Yeah. And then, you know, you're able to have the mental toughness to come out with a big 12 win. So. I think last year, Nigel, I don't want to speak for you. I really liked watching Kansas state last year. A lot of that was Marquise Noel and Keontae we both Johnson. Did. Yeah, I mean, they were just two incredible players, super dynamic. And I didn't, now we might be finding out that that team might have been so good because of those two guys and maybe not so much the coaching. Um, A little early, Tang's only in his second year, so I don't want to, you know, tell him that he's a one-shot wonder just this early. But um, this year's backcourt, Cam Carter, uh, two early fouls, bad fouls. Um, and he's their leading scorer. And I think that kind of put K-State behind the eight ball early. And then Arthur Kaluma, who I really liked watching at Creighton last year and the year before that, 
I thought he was really going to come in. And I mean, he, he's been putting up good stats, but I thought he would be, you know, maybe a first team all big 12 kind of guy. Hasn't quite had that kind of season. I think he led Kansas state in scoring in that game. But um, the other thing I want to say, Hilton, when it's angry, that's the best version of Hilton. If you yeah. piss off Hilton and, and the thing that I, I saw this all over Twitter and I'm sure you did too, Nigel, the, I'll call them uh, seasoned fans that sit in the lower bowl, a little bit older than you and I. At most college games, they'll sit most of the time. They'll clap when they're supposed to. They rarely stand. They rarely yell. Not at Iowa State. You, you'll you get a 65-year-old in your ear for 40 minutes at Hilton Coliseum. You might get a guy that looks like Jim Carrey just coming at you hard. I thought that was Jim Carrey. I, it looks a lot like him. Uh, <laughs> and... The the cutaway of like the fans just mocking Tang after that technical gold. And I, yeah. Kansas State fans saying like those people should be embarrassed. Hell no, man. You're not going to get fans like that many places across the country. That's awesome. I hope 40 years from now, that's me sitting three rows behind the opposing team's bench. That's awesome. I loved every bit of that. Um, yeah. And I think having older fans that are still that passionate about you know, the little things. Cause it's like, yeah. I, I feel like so many older fans care about class and like, let's, let's take the higher road. Like we don't need to act like Martin Luther King right now. Okay. <laughs> Jerome Tang is acting like a little boy. He's accusing managers of taking screenshots of the huddle. Like as if that's going to do anything in real time. Like buddy, if you're drawing stuff up and managers are sniffing it out, you're the problem. Okay. Like but, there needs a Tang needs to look in the mirror. Okay. So I, I, I just think to, to, for, to have a bunch of, I, I'm gonna call them grad students. <laughs> to have a bunch of grad students just, just had the level of pettiness to, to kick a man while he's down. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love the, there, there's new life in Hilton and cause coming from, you know, the, where we were just a few years ago to what we are now. I mean, the, the resurrection, I guess, in, in the program has just been really impressive and it's, it's, it's heartwarming as a fan. It's been awesome. I don't know the name. I believe his Twitter is Matt Campbell impersonator. He at halftime of the Kansas state game left that game. He's a student at Iowa state left that game, set up a tent and was already in line for the Kansas game at halftime. Didn't even watch the second half Psycho in, in Hilton. That's awesome. Psycho. That's awesome. It's like a, uh, let's, let's talk about Tang a little, because this is kind of what the whole, you know, Farmageddon Twitter has been on about for five days now. Can and, we, can we give our audience first the, the backstory of how big of Tang supporters you and I were last right? season? Like, yeah, we didn't at, during my internship at KCCI, you and I were locked into the TV. We did not want FAU to win that game. And that really, that's where a lot of my hate for FAU came from was like, man, like Kansas State could have been in the final four. That was a great team to watch. And, you know, the whole locker room video yeah, like that, that was a, like you could just tell they were a they were a team that was for the culture. And it just seems like that identity with those guys gone now has, has kind of shifted. And yeah. Tang is kind of just trying to use what he's got and he the, the, he's not working with much. So I, I think that's, that's a huge part of the problem. Right. But what were, you, what were you going to say? 
the post-game presser last year in Iowa State, Kansas State was a charged atmosphere. I don't think Tang got a technical last year. There wasn't any of the kind of extra theatrics we had this year. But Tang was like, man, this is what makes me love basketball. I love places like Hilton. This was an incredible environment. And that game, I felt like could have gone either way. I feel like Kansas State played great basketball last year at Hilton. Iowa State played great basketball. Like neither team lost. Like both teams just played really good and Iowa State came out on top. And yeah, it's been a 180 for me as to where, you know, Tang was one of my favorite coaches in the Big 12 and all of this. So I'll say this in his post game, we see him shake hands with TJ. He's clearly upset. He got a technical with about two minutes left. And that was kind of Iowa State's able to pull away and they win by 10 and they cover if you're into that kind of thing. And after the game, I was like, I was like, man, I wish I was there for that post-game press conference because it's going to be juicy. Like, I don't know what he's going to say, but it's got to be something. And then Tang didn't really say anything. He said, you know, I'm going to keep that in between me and Ots. You know, we talked about it. I'm sure they're going to handle it here. And it was pretty classy. Well, the thing is, and Nigel, this is kind of a place where you and I are familiar just because of the line of work we're in. Information starts to get leaked out to Kansas State beat writers and that doesn't mean Jerome Tang is the one telling this and they're not naming their sources. But the one thing I will say as a head coach, if you don't want stuff to get out, stuff doesn't get out. If you're a good head coach, if you want stuff to stay internal, if you don't want that noise to be put out there, the head coach almost is always able to say, Hey, don't talk to anyone. We're not doing this, but information did get out there. And now we know that Tang or Kansas State at large was upset that they think a manager from Iowa State was recording their huddles and then sending that information to Iowa State. I think I'll, I'll use TJ's words. That's ludicrous to me. I, I don't even know how much of an advantage that would really bring. I think if you watch film of Kansas State and prepare, it would be a similar... I mean, you might learn one inbounds play. I don't know. Like, how much is that really going to help you in the grand scheme of things? Right. So I, I think Hilton, and I was thinking about this too, Mike Boynton is about the only coach that's come to Hilton and hasn't either been teed up, super upset, or just been like saying basically conspiracy theories on why they lost the game. Mike Boynton's been the only guy that's been like level-headed, took the loss to the chin, and just went back to Stillwater. So I don't know if it's Hilton just kind of playing mind games with these coaches. It felt far-fetched to me. Sports Illustrated ran with it. I don't even know. I saw Sports Illustrated got like. There's still a thing. That's what I'm saying. I saw like they had massive layoffs. And then I see a story from Sports Illustrated. So that was our first AI generated story. Right. Yeah. That was from chat GPT via Sports Illustrated. So I don't know. I think it was lame. I thought it was lousy. I, you lose games on the road in this conference. I think that's what it comes down to. And I think Tang kind of getting in his head and doing too much, I think it contributed to why Kansas State lost that game. Yeah, and I think, like, look, despite the early success Tang may have had at Kansas State, his time here is kind of similar to TJ's where it's it's still remotely new. Yeah. And you haven't seen everything, so I feel like that instant success can sometimes hinder you into being like, Tang probably came into the game with the mentality of like, all right, last year, TJ, like we split the series uh, between us two. He got the best of me, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm not going to let that happen. Like I, 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 it feels like almost the theatrics that were going on from him were already from this like preconceived, like I'm going to prove myself as a coach mentality, I guess. Cause it, it just, he seems like he was doing a lot of out of character things that he's not known for. And it just seems like he was trying to use all his bullets it, it this one you know Wednesday night conference game in in Ames Iowa and I I just don't think that like you said he he just wasn't gonna take the loss in the chin gracefully this time and I, again it, that could be just being a new coach in the Big Twelve like just Iowa State just I guess on paper I feel like sometimes people perceive us as like we should win there this should not be a place that is this difficult to play that has all these good players that has this great environment and culture and blah 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 I I just feel like some people kind of have that closed mindedness when it comes to us despite who we play and I think that's kind of just human nature I guess and I I, I don't know I I just think Tang got out of his character and like you said was doing too much and to to so your last bullet being the manager was recording my my whiteboard draw up like that's gonna save the game buddy newsflash it will not you lost to jim carrey pack up your bags warm up the bus and go home yeah and story. it it wasn't even a it didn't even come down to like uh man if we would have had those two points there you lost you lost by double digits yeah like it's over what are we doing? And, and the we sequence, went wrong a long time ago, <laughs> right? There's, a, I think, maybe four minutes left in the game. Hassan Ward has a big dunk, and then Curtis Jones. I don't know if this is an, a change in in broadcasting. I don't know if the mics are different on the backboards now, but there is something so pure to a three point shot going in every now and again. You can hear the coop. Oh my it's god! It's beautiful. That Curtis Jones three late in that game was just like that. I didn't get up and take a sounds. walk. Yeah, I did a loop around the couch. And <laughs> the crazy thing, so this is when I was like peak sickness. I was like in bed the entire day that day, and it hurt so much for me to talk. I'm usually if I'm watching a game at home, I'm yelling at the refs, even though they can't hear me. I'm you know screaming players' names in excitement. I can't talk, so. If there was a camera on me, it would have looked like I was directing traffic laying down in bed because I'm just like moving my hands all over the place because I can't verbally like express how excited that game made me. But that game, that game rocked. And it sucks that it got reduced to all this K-State drama because yeah. I, I really think that was a game too where Lipsy didn't have a great game. And it took a lot of other guys to step up and and take those shots down the stretch, like Curtis Jones, like Hassan Ward playing a great game, in order for Iowa State to win. Momchilovich, I think, led the team in scoring that game. So it, it just it sucks that that's what we're focused on instead of Iowa State picking up another great home win, staying undefeated before Kansas comes to town. I wish that is what the national focus would have been on. But as as a team, I think... They didn't really, the, the noise after was so Kansas State based that I didn't even think it would be a distraction for this Iowa State team. I think the whole time TJ was like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. We're just going to hoop. We're going to play basketball on Saturday. So I don't think it was a distraction for this team, but it just sucks that we were focused on all this BS instead of, you know, that's a great, great win by Iowa State. Yeah. And it brings me back to my last point of I just think people 
sometimes can't fathom the fact that Iowa State is just good at basketball. Yeah. And I think, man, some people some people just got to have an ego death. And I think if, if we're going to be their ego death, so be it. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. And then but, Kansas State went on the road to Houston and got their brakes beaten off. So I guess Houston. Yeah, so it's like there's clearly a bigger issue than us. Right. It's, yeah. Like We're not your problem, I, Kansas State. Yeah, and we gave the business to Houston too. So right. anyone can catch the smoke. Like it's not, it's not personal, bro. It's just part of the gauntlet. It is what it is. But I, I want to get to the box score of that game nonetheless because Milan, I was very impressed with his game of how he's yeah. able to shoot the ball from three. I'm – we're we're Milan is evolving before our eyes bef- as as such a good like not just one legged fader guy like he's becoming like oh he you're you're shooting that right now yeah. <laughs> like off the catch bam and I'm like this is you mean to tell me you have a six nine Matt Thomas now like this is insane and just being being how coachable and how like he's not shot hunting at a crazy amount but he's able to get his shots up and off and they're able to go in like still Kansas State he shot 50% from 3 so i mean him Curtis like they were the backbone of that win when you take away all the tang controversy at the end right. of the day so very impressed with those two and i'm just i'm excited to see where Milan can be come march if he continues to shoot at this level yeah, the ways he can hurt you, too. Uh, it's a lot more than just a catch-and-shoot guy in the corner. He'll come off screens. His feet won't be set. Doesn't matter. That's pure. It's one of the better-looking jump shots I've seen. I think still my favorite, and this might be a little bit nostalgic, and I might have even said this before, Tyrus McGee's three-point shot. That thing set different world. That thing was a thing of beauty. But this, this, his shot, man, it's so pure. It is so mechanically sound. Not to diss on Tyrese Halliburton, and it goes in, but he looks a lot more like a Clay Thompson jumper, uh, a, a Kevin Durant jumper. I mean, the way it just comes out of his hands, there's so much confidence that it looks like it's going in every single time. I would, I would, I like the Clay Thompson comp, but I would also throw in like if you were on NBA 2K and you combined Clay Thompson shot with like, a little bit of Larry Bird because it's still yeah. cocked a little, right? But it's not as over exaggerated as Larry's was. Like Larry's was like behind his ear, yeah. like. But Milan is definitely if you could have a Clay Thompson Larry Bird hybrid jump shot, I feel like that's the best way to give it to describe him, when, especially off the catch. And then obviously the one legged fader is in his bag too. So he's just he's just becoming such more of a threat offensively, and to piggyback off that what i am so proud of of just this entire five game stretch is how most of these players last year were looked at as role players like all the returners even Taman was looked at as a role player and these guys are just stepping up and evolving their games so dramatically in a 12 month span it's it's insane like i i don't i don't see this type of jump from every college program in america so just Shout out to the Cyclones, man, really putting in, like showing that the the work in the summer is coming to fruition in the winter. And you were seeing it in real time. And it's it's so exciting as a fan. I, I I'm I'm just thrilled to to see where we can be come March. Cause now people are talking about Iowa State's in the title contention. Like, yeah, that's nuts. So I don't when's the last time we've been in that conversation? 
I just opened ESPN's uh, college basketball uh, homepage today, right before this podcast, and the top article is Jeff Brzezello, how about them Iowa State Cyclones, and talking about is this a top 10 team in the country? And yeah, like I truly believe, I looked at our roster and I was like, I think this is Ots' best team. He's a great coach. I don't think our defense is going to take a step back. I felt like we were slept on before the season. I felt like we had the potential to be here, but I don't think a lot of people did, especially not nationally. But you're exactly right. The player development has been incredible. Rob Jones, Hassan Ward, Taman Lipsy, Trey King. You can really go down the line and and look at these guys from where they were. Rob Jones is the one that really blows me away. He Minus from, Hassan. He's, he's doing some freaky dicky yeah. activities this year. Like... I, the way the way he's glassing people and like oh my god he's almost caught like ten bodies already this year yeah yeah and but go on what were you saying about Rob uh where he was three years ago from Denver yes he, he was very he struggled heavily just around the rim the the bunnies and his footwork I felt like he got frazzled if he held on the ball too long he looks like a different person. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to him. That's a testament to the coaching around him. I think he's to the point where he's comfortable with the Big 12 game. And I'm just so happy for him because he's a guy that has embraced Iowa State since the day he walked on campus. And now we're able to embrace him as a great player. And he's a guy now where, you know, if he has three fouls early in the second half, I'm like, that's a game changer. He, he I, Like, we need him on the court at times. And if you would have told me that two years ago that I'm – I'm praying that Rob Jones can stay out of foul trouble down the stretch. I, you know, that's crazy to me. So a testament to him because he's come such a long ways from where yeah, he his, started. His bunnies, like you said, like the he got he got some VC this offseason because they're yeah. almost like they're they're green every time. Yeah, and I just like you said, like his his level of comfort, you can now visibly see that improvement and it's it's showing up against some of the best posts in the country like a hunter dickinson and you know all this talk about kansas state buddy can we transition to kansas because after this weekend i think we own kansas like i think kansas has now become a part of iowa like i I think that i you know i'm not i'm no geography major but i think we own kansas now so if we get into that Jayhawk Jayhawk slander, excuse me, I would love to start as soon as possible. Let's do it. And I want to start with this. The What's up? and we talked about this a little bit earlier. The kids are going to be all right, Nigel. When I was in school, it was I'm I'm one hand jealous because I was in this terrible little pocket between Hoiberg and then Prom had a couple good years and then he started to have some bad years and then we hired Ots. And I was mm-hmm. there for the bad Prom years. And I would get to Hilton maybe three hours before they let students in, and I'd be in the front row. That That's not something you can do anymore. And mm-hmm. the amount of tents, the amount of commitment, we had kids sleeping on cold concrete, cold pavement. You know, they got space heaters. They're doing the damn thing. And I'm so proud of these students because there was a lot of talk even a couple of years ago from a lot of the Hoiberg era students of being like, Oh, you know, if we were still in school, we'd be showing up, blah, blah, blah. Can't do that anymore. These students are for real. They're dedicated. They're committed. They love this program. I want to shout out those college students because that's awesome. 
Secondly, yeah, and it's like not easy to do that. The the no, it's not fun. Iowa, man. Let me tell you, the transition from Illinois winter, Illinois winter sucks. Don't get it twisted, but. Those buildings to Chicago, man, they block some of that that cold from the 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 lake. But Iowa, it's flat. So when I'm telling you those kids are sitting through some crusty crab pizza type, you know, winds and just mm, the ashy skin, it's oh not, ugh, I don't don't even get me started. It's 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 not easy. So I, I commend the students as well, because it's it's definitely a grind. I want to shout out KCCI. Nigel, I was supposed to be on the court for both of these games recording, and that really sucks. I really wish I was there. Um, nonetheless, I think KCCI... Yeah, no. KCCI did a great Hoops Hysteria show. I learned a lot about Curtis Jones. I learned a lot about Trey King. Um, and CBS, man, those guys know how to do college basketball. Oh, the yeah. music, the commentary, the replays, the... I mean... Top to bottom, like just the production on this game, incredible. It looked great on TV. I like that's, those guys can do it. That's what I was gonna ask you. Did it not look like ten times more crisp? Oh my like, god! I was like, Taman, you you look like Drake right now on this on this screen. You like, I you I knew you were light skinned but you're light skinned on the screen right now. Like it, everyone, everyone's complexion was like it was 4D. I I need the audio. The, the 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 technical people at CBS to go to ESPN full time because yeah. the the production over there is just top notch and if we're having the Final Four on channels like that I think it's only telling that you should probably have more games on CBS we don't right. need to see any more Law and Orders and bogus sitcoms and remakes or whatnot just fill it with college basketball do us all a favor and just fill it with college basketball watch the profit you make. In the, on the long term of things and this is some sicko stuff but that's just like that's what i pay attention to now because of being in broadcast journalism and i was just right. blown away and like yeah. the the color the crispness yeah it looked like it was in 5k hd shit was awesome it looked bright in there it it was just really fun to watch on tv and that's um, a, that's the common common misconception when you watch an espn game at hilton you think it's dark and then yeah. you get to Hilton in person and it's really bright. Right. Like yeah. the lights are so bright. It's hot in there. Even on your coldest day, you get into Hilton and it's hot because of the, like the lights are bright normally. So I don't know what CBS, I don't know if they're using Adobe over there. So I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big tech guy, but the, uh, we need, they need to get in talks with ESPN because the, the product could be stellar. Yeah. And if if the subscription for ESPN Plus gets jacked up, I'll pay for that because that's high quality product. Yeah, but. and I, Bill Raftery might be, and they all did great. Jay Wright, I think, accidentally called Bob Jones Rob Johnson at one point. But besides that, that that commentary team was on point. Eagle had great one liners. You saw Jim Carrey again. He goes, "That's a technical on self, all righty then." And like just top, like it was just top notch. Raftery is just like making noises the whole time. I really wanted an onions call. We didn't get one. Yeah. I thought we could have on that last Keyshawn three, but outside of an onions, it was a perfect game to watch. Let's I, get in a little one bit. Second, one second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey, you bring me back because the fact that he showed up to the next game. Again. First of all, I want to commend his his dedication to just like matching the whiteout because yeah. he went from a dripped out crew neck 
when he was doing the iconic way, 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 womp, womp to Jer- Jerome Tang. He then goes and pulls out, which it didn't look clean, but I commend no. you because he was matching the color. He pulls out a V-neck in mm-hmm. 2024. Bro, he's nuts, and I yeah. love it. He's that crazy t-shirt. for that. That t-shirt might be older than us, and that's awesome. He said, it's a whiteout. I'm okay I got one that. white t-shirt, and I'm showing up in it. And that's awesome. You're going to see a few chest hairs, but we're going to live with that. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We were saying earlier how great Milan has been in the last couple games. I think Bill Self took note because yeah. Milan really, I mean, he was hounded in that first half. And, and they were giving him fits. He wasn't able to get to his shots. What about Kansas's defense? Do you think that is something other teams can replicate in giving Milan trouble? Um, yes and no. It depends on if you have athletes like a, a KJ Adams, you know, right. and just Dickinson and like big, strong bodies that can kind of distract those quick looks and those quick catch and shoots. But matchup wise, I just think sometimes when you're able to toss rob and hassan if you if you put too much effort on milan because mind you they played a lot of hounding defense on him but he still shot 60 percent from three right so did it really work right. <laughs> you know and then but if if it's not milan okay rob is a more he's more of a threat around the rim this year so we got to worry about that and then hassan at any given time he could his his entire upper region is is on you because he just he just boomed one on you real quick, right? So it, I mean, th- we just have so many weapons that I don't think it's about replicating. I think it's just about minimizing. Like I I guess if you're Kansas, you can live with a nine point game if you're trying to prevent the nineteen point game that yeah. he's also capable of. But I don't want to go out and say every team is going to be able to replicate that. I think. Really, our only weakness is a BYU in playing at BYU where they turn into the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Like, I, I really I, – I, the only weakness that I've been like, okay, this is very concerning, is that. Just a team that can really shoot the three well. I don't think Kansas is that good of a three-point shooting team outside of uh, the, the Australian kid. What's his name? Furphy? Furphy, yep. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's all right. He's no right. Grady Dick. But, right. <laughs> you know, and uh, – but, yeah, to go back to your question, I don't think – Teams can just like replicate that. I think it's usually going to have to have the well enough matchup because Milan's also not dumb. He's not just going to put up shots to put up shots. He's going to try to find the right play. And if he's not the right play, we'll go in another direction and hurt you somewhere else. Right. And I, yeah, I think this is the first odds team where it's kind of like a pick your poison. You know, Mm -hmm. you can stop Milan, but then someone else is going to give you 15 points. And the the one thing I want to say, someone tweeted at me, you know, we have, according to Ken Palm, the third best defense in the country. Why the hell did BYU light us up from three? Here's the thing. Three-point defense and allowing offensive rebounds, if you really want to nitpick our defense, those are the two things that we are not elite at. And BYU did a really good job of three-point shooting and getting offensive rebounds. Um, the thing is, though, not every team is built to do that. And most teams in the Big 12 don't even want to do that. Most teams in the Big 12 are full of, you know, athletic, strong, old dudes that are going to try to get to the rim. And what you saw at Kansas, Hunter Dickinson, anytime he got a touch in the post, we're bringing backside help. We're going to double him. We're going to trap him and force him to pass out of that. 
And Trey King, man, played a hell of a game. That man looked like a legacy grown, game, grown ass man kind of game. And I, I brought it up here because I was like, Trey King's a big dude. I've seen mm-hmm. him in person. That's a that's a man, six seven and two thirty. Hunter Dickinson, seven two, two sixty five. Now, that's that's a lot of body. And yeah. Trey King was right there giving it to him a lot of Pause. that game. <laughs> Pause. And Trey King had, it was, I think, 14 to 12, and Trey King had 10 of Iowa State's points, and we're down two. Yeah. And Kansas is only outscoring Trey King by four. Just had an incredible game. Had more three-point shots in this game than he has had the whole season going into Kansas. Shout out Trey King. I feel like he needed a game like that. Mm-hmm. He's been good, not great all year. He needed a game to be like, I am that dude. He's yeah. a 20-point scorer at Eastern Kentucky. He has that capability, and it took him going against one of the best players in the country in Hunter Dickinson to be like, nah, like you got to go through me, and we're going to make it a hell of a time. So yeah. I want to shout out to Trey King because he played incredible for 40 minutes. Well, and the, the funny thing about Trey is I remember when we it came to fruition that Blake Hinson was no longer going to be a part of the Iowa State basketball program. I was like, man, that sucks. Like, we're not going to find someone that big who can stretch the floor and just play at a high level from all three from as a three level scorer, basically. And he I'm not saying Trey King is shooting the ball like a Blake Hinson because he's also leading the ACC in three point percentage and had a hell of a game against Duke and then did one of the most disrespectful things I've seen in my lifetime. But nonetheless, I'll give Blake his flowers because he deserves it. He's been through a lot. Um, My point though, is I I've been, it's, it's crazy how TJ managed to find someone who from a stature point kind of just kind of replaced him like nothing happened. So like, and I and again, I don't know if 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 say Blake Henson's still on this team. I know you and I always entertain the thought because we see what he's doing at Pitt. Like, man, right. could you imagine this team if we had him still? Right. Like, but I think Trey is a bit more committed to, like you said, that defensive end yeah. and taking pride in despite Hunter Dickinson being 7'2, 260. Like, I'm gonna stop you. And I don't know, I don't know if Blake has that same defensive grit. Right, and maybe that was a, a fall off with TJ and the staff. The that maybe a you might want to enter the portal, might go in a different direction, yada yada yada. But I'm just so glad that we were able to find kind of kind of a, a, a as similar as you're going to get to a Blake Henson, like, but also one that's more committed to the defensive end. So I think aside from a great offensive night from Trey King, that the fact that he's able to also commit on both ends of the floor is just. It's a match made in heaven, especially for Iowa State. So, uh, like you said, shout out to Trey King, legacy game, uh, really put, really put on for us, uh, our us Cyclone fans. So I'm I'm proud of him. Yeah, I think he truly is like an Otzelberger version of a Blake Henson, and I, mm-hmm. like I think you're very like I'm not sure if Blake Henson would have been as dedicated on the defensive end as some of these Iowa State guys are. Um, that's a tough thing to do to play that good of defense. The way we play defense is tiring. Your stamina has to be top notch. You're switch like you're going from backside help back to the corner. There's so much movement involved in Iowa State's defense, and to be that dedicated and to use that much energy on that side of the ball and then still be able to score buckets, that's a lot. It's it's a tall task. It takes a special group of guys to do that. Yeah, and Trey King is one of those dudes. 
Um, I think a turning point for me, at least, was the final two minutes of the first half. And I think we both know, I would say four minutes before halftime to four minutes after halftime might be the most important eight-minute stretch in a college basketball game just because of the way it sets up momentum for the rest of the game. And it came down to Tame Lipsy. Here's the other thing. Of course, Christian Brown has a little brother that goes to Kansas. He's his older brother. Shut up. Yes. How? I think he was like a four-year player somewhere. And then basically because of the relationship he has with Christian was like, yo, my brother, like, I don't know if he told him this, but he probably like found out his brother has an extra year of eligibility and then did some deep dive on him and was like, hey, you want to come to KU? Because him and Tim, who the hell is Timberlake, bro? He looks like a, he looks like they picked him off a Greek row. Not like, related to Justin, I'm guessing. No, it looked like Justin Timberlake out there. I was like, who is this man? He looks like he's yeah. 5'11", getting offensive rebounds. I was like, dude, <laughs> the Kansas team this year is gross. I don't care. It's a bunch of returners that didn't do a lot last year. They underperformed in the tournament. And then you got Dickinson trying to prove something at the whole, you know, at just moving to a blue blood because he wasn't able to have any motion in Michigan. But also... He he went on Jordan Bohannon's podcast earlier in the week. He was like, I got something for Iowa State yeah. if, if we get the way. What was it? Right. What was it? You're so we'll vocal about it before. What was it, Hunter? We'll never know. Uh, come on this podcast. Tell us what it was. A ski mask? You you, you need some help. <laughs> you need some therapy. That's what you need, Hunter. Oh, I love Sorry. it. I love it. Here's the, I think it's weird, too. Do you think it's weird for it, for whatever reason? It doesn't bother me as much for NBA players to have a podcast. I think just because of what you said it's a little weird to have a college basketball player, active college basketball player having a podcast because yeah, now you look like an idiot saying you got something planned for Iowa state. Was it to lose? Cause that's yeah. what you did. That's pathetic. So, <laughs> yeah. We're setting the he, bar low Hunter. Yeah. And he, he had trouble. He ended up, I think if you look at his box score, it looks like he had an okay game. He started one for six and was kind of reduced to a, you know, point forward because he couldn't get his shot up. So he he struggled. I would say Biggs just did not let him have an easy shot the whole night. So and my thing about Kansas is like without without Furphy, if he doesn't shoot it well, like he shot well against us. I'll give him that. Fifteen yeah. points, three of five from the three. Like, but at times when I've watched him, because my mind you, Furphy is like a, a late addition to this team. Because I remember you and I were talking about Kansas earlier in the year. We were like, we don't know their two guard situation two guard. right now. Right. And at I think at some point they were bringing off not who I think I think it was Jackson, like I think that's who was starting. Okay, yeah. But uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm don't quote me on that. I'm not t- entirely sure. But it seems like at times Dickinson is their best three point shooter, which is such a red flag for Kansas. Yeah. So I I would say this in the most confident way, but like I'm they better be glad we're not playing them again because. It could be like, yeah, I think if there's any team itching to play at Allen Fieldhouse that isn't going to get this opportunity this year is Iowa State. Like, right. at, we've been through hell and back <laughs> for, through the TJ era at Allen Fieldhouse. And I just think the gig is up, you know, third yeah. time's a charm. And I think the Big 12 knew what they were doing. We we're like, all right, we're going to make this game at Hilton. You'll build self. You'll have an excuse, blah, blah, blah. Like, I I just think if we had to, to do the double the double header this year, I think we might have swept Kansas. I'm not I'm not even kidding you. Yeah, this odds defense, this is what like this is 
why we play defense the way we do is for teams like this Kansas team. Like you said, Dickinson might be, you know, Furphy Dickinson. McCuller can sometimes hit a corner three, but he's not super reliable. He's a and slasher. Then, right. And then Dewan Harris is a non-threat. KJ yeah. Adams can't shoot further than 15 feet. And then your spacing gets really tough, especially when you're getting doubled in the post every time. You can't kick it out to anyone because nobody can shoot. Yeah. So, and Iowa State, listen to this. If you would have told me this before the game, that Iowa State got out-rebounded, we had less points in the paint, Kansas forced more turnovers than we did, and we still found a way to win. Like that, those are the three things that Iowa State has done almost wire to wire in every win. And we didn't do any of those things and still found a way to win. And a lot of it was that second half three-point shooting, man. I haven't seen us shoot that well from three since maybe either Steve Crohn's first year or Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. And I, I mean, we were taking shots that normally, especially on an odds team, I'm like, what are we doing? It's early shot clock threes by Curtis Jones and Keyshawn Gilbert. Why? I, normally, I would feel like we can get a better shot than that, but they're going in. If they're going in, shoot them. And you hear shooting's contagious, and it was in the second half because, I mean, guys were hitting shots that, like, until this point, we have not seen go in. And I, I said at one point during the second half, it feels like Curtis Jones is six for five. It feels like he's shooting better than 100% this second half because, I mean, he was just hitting it. He had tough contact layups on transition. I was just, I was blown away by the offensive output in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it was it was special. And to I, I feel for kids like Keyshawn who are able to make such big plays like that. Because we talk about Curtis. Curtis made a bunch of big plays these last two games. But Keyshawn especially because he's been very consistent the entire year. So for the most part, like for him to come in to games like this, like he's never been in these environments. He was right. shocked at the Cyhawk like level of intensity. And I was not even good this year. Right. So like the fact that he was able to come in from UNLV, not experience that type of culture of basketball. I'm not saying he's not playing high level basketball over there, but nonetheless, he's not just going through CBS and, you know, playing blue bloods on a consistent basis. Like to the fact that he's able to be brand new to that moment and be one of the, one of the biggest moments of the game is just so it's storybook. Like, yeah. and I think it's so special that, you know, people are able to come to Iowa state, see that as an opportunity and make the most of it. And I feel like this is a prime game where you're doing that. Like, it's it's just it's great, and I think, I think that's what's putting us now in the t the title conversation is just the fact that we're able to get new guys every year and turn them into stars. Yeah. <laughs> like, even to a certain degree, like with Brockington, yes, that team at times could be one dimensional, but a player we hadn't really heard about up until that point, you know, he turns into a fan favorite within, you know, ten games. Right, And it's just, it's really impressive what TJ has been able to do with transfers at this level. Cause you see those people almost have an immediate impact once they get here. So I just, I like if transfers are the recipe to success going forward for this program. So be it with, with the transfer portal, the way it is this year and the way it is in college basketball. Now it's basically free agency. If we have to live in free agency, by all means, let's keep it up. Yeah. And this is the thing I want to say. There's a lot of talk 
before the season that Keyshawn Gilbert was a DeAndre Kane like player. Now, for guys my age, I think I was probably like 13 or 14 when DeAndre Kane was at Iowa State. That is rare air. I mean, that guy was like my like hero. Like I like in terms of favorite basketball players all time, and I know like you but basically went overseas and you don't really hear much of him anymore. I, like, there's that is maybe the best guy you could compare a player to in the brand of basketball I like to play. And I said, let's pump the brakes a little. I think Keyshawn Gilbert's a great player. I don't know if he's going to be a DeAndre Kane. And I still think they play a little bit different of a game. I think DeAndre Kane was just a big, tough, physical guard that would just bully you. He would post guys up as a, as a point guard. And you're not going to see Keyshawn Gilbert doing that, but the... Just the mentality is very yeah. similar of yeah. a killer. He's not going to back down. Very, He got in Kansas State's head for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that's mentally tough, and he's going to give you hell. And credit to him, I thought he was the one guy that, you know, I was like, he might be kind of up and down throughout the season. No, he's a straight shooter. He's a dog. Had maybe the biggest shot of his Iowa State career under a minute to go that rainbow three that kind of put the game away to an extent um, and credit to him. Cause he's had a great season and I think this is one of his better games. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And I, I know a lot of people give the Deandre Kane uh, comparison, but I think in a way, and this isn't off of just an appearance thing, but like just his explosive game. I think we have ourselves a little John Moran yeah. in a cyclone Jersey. And if that can't get you excited, I don't know what will. Like, I that's why I'm just saying, man, this team's special. And, like, I just wouldn't take take it for granted because Lord knows if they keep this up and they actually do contend for a title, some of these players may not be around next year. So, yeah. and for good reason, you know. But um, life when Iowa State is a title contender is a lot better. So I I can die on that hill. I think we'll look back at this team and I was telling my friends this, you look at just the talent we have. And the thing that sucks is I don't think Milan is at the best he'll be as a cyclone already really good. But it reminds me of like Niang his freshman year where, you know, that guy's special, but he just hasn't unlocked that next year. Mm-hmm. And same with Lipsy. I think he's right there, but I think when he's a junior and senior, he'll be maybe an all American caliber player. Right. But you have Trey Kings, a senior Hassan Ward's a senior, Rob Jones is a senior and those three guys are physical, tough, athletic dogs. And mm-hmm. then you have the skill of, of Taman, of Keyshawn, Curtis Jones playing incredible defense. You have Milan's shooting and you just look at the talent we have talked about him. This is a very special eclipse of just really good front court depth, really good shooting from a couple of guys and then just skill in the backcourt. And I think we're a, a dangerous team the Big 12's a grinder. I, I'm not saying we're going to run the game bit from here on out. But from what I've seen, this team has met expectations and maybe exceeded them in certain games. And I, I think it's, it's a special group of players in Ames, Iowa right now. Oh, yeah. Now, while we're on the subject of Kansas, we gave them some slander earlier. I'm going to tally it back to give some more slander. Because now, since we're on the, the the topic of the Jayhawks, I think some some people forget Wilt Chamberlain, NBA oh, great go. played for Kansas. And guys, people at home, 
I need you to hear me out on this one because I I haven't found any any footage of this, but I don't think Will Chamberlain's 100 point game is real. I I don't think it is. I think at the time in 1962 NBA games were lacking, you know, engagement and we just needed something to talk about. And if you guys have all 100 points documented in a YouTube reel, please send them my way cuz I've yet to find them. No one has said. That. That's weird. And like think about the people watching that game. They're either dead or they were, you know, 7 to 14 years old, which if you're 7 to 14 years old in 1962, your memory right now is dog water. Like I, I can't expect you to remember your first name, let alone Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game. So there's zero eyewitnesses, you know, and just like this current Kansas team, I think this Kansas alum NBA 100 point, I think it's fraudulent. I don't think it's real. I think the only person to score the highest, the highest, the second highest scoring game was 81 by Kobe, and that's documented. We saw every bucket of that. So Where's Wilts? Like we we have all this color. Like on Twitter, I'll see videos of like Wilt Chamberlain playing in color, but we don't have the full 100 point game. That's odd. Where's that at? Nigel, I was I was thinking about this. Can you imagine how funny it would be if like the camera crew got like stuck in the snow that night? They're like, oh, like you know, Wilt's gonna Probably have just a game. another game. Right. You know, we'll be fine. I'm sure nothing historical happened. He drops yeah, hundred. The other probably, what he paid, what he had 50 again? Well, big whoop. The other thing that would be the funniest thing ever is if he just went to mid-court after game before everyone left and was like, Hey, if anybody asks, I scored a hundred points tonight. Just just go with it. Like well, if, I if think the just, theory is like someone was like, We're just gonna tell everyone, we're gonna tell Wilt too. Cause imagine there's that picture. Wilt, Will in in a in 1962. I don't know if that was a specific year, but I I remember there was a prime timeline where he was just 50, 50, 50, 60, 50, 50, 56. Like if you're scoring that much, it may one night it may feel like you had a hundred. Cause like I don't know, I'm just scoring so much. Like this all just feels like one fever dream. I don't know. And then so if someone goes, hey, well, you had a hundred points today, and he's like, oh, nice, and they give you like, of course he's gonna smile and take the picture because like, right. I, I can tell my mom I had a hundred. I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking about that at that time. But pull, where's the tape? In the great words of Anthony Edwards, send the video. Yeah. I I want to see the video, you know. And until then, it didn't happen. I'm 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 tired of taking old wives' tales and and running with them. I I need to see some documentation. So. I, it just brings me back to my other point of the, the Jayhawks. They're always going to be fraudulent. They always have been. Nigel, people forget uh, Wilt Chamberlain lost to Iowa State. Jared Larson would be proud right now. I, I don't know. Tell me, you mean to tell me that that, that scrub that scored guy, 100 points? Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. I'm trolling. That last line was a troll. But uh, um, the one game I want to shout out didn't happen in the Big 12. It, it was reminiscent of Chris Beard's return to Texas Tech. Ed Cooley comes back to Providence. Georgetown still, you know, they're kind of a sleeping giant. I kind of get why he took that job. To me, it was a lateral move at best. Georgetown hasn't been what it was maybe since Otto Porter. They yeah. were a two seed that year, and I think they lost maybe first round, if not second round. Nonetheless, took that job, came back to Providence, they tweeted out, I don't have it in front of me, but they had a sh- like a ton of security on standby for that game. And I'm not, I was not familiar with Providence's game. And I apologize because those dudes, they were, they were hype. That student section was nuts. 
And yeah. the exclamation mark was a, a player that Ed Cooley recruited to come to Providence, did a windmill dunk in a six-point game, breakaway fast break, just windmill, reached down and gave it to him. Mercy. That that was an awesome game. And and shout out to Providence for just, that's one of the best stories of like, you know, your coach left you and now you're going to you show it to him. Yeah, that's one of my favorite all-time storylines, and I think it's best in college basketball and football, but basketball primarily. Without a doubt. But I think a storyline that tops that is after we made such an emphasis on not storming the floor, how how we just like... (laughs) I feel like everyone collectively at Hilton was just like, (laughs) ah, fuck it, let's go. And then they, everyone just started like, dude, that was beautiful. I, yeah. my mouth dropped when I saw that. I was like, as if today couldn't get better. Yeah. Like, man, I, I, if I, if I could go back in time when we were beat, when we beat Texas last year and I asked Aiden, I was like, we going to store on the floor. He was like, nah, we're better than that. I wish in that time, my next rebuttal would have been like, just wait in a year. You'll regret this. We'll get one. We'll get one. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're, also, if I waited three days in a tent, you better believe I'm storming that. I'm court punching Bill Self in the face. Yeah, sorry, I'm bro. On that, I'm getting on that damn court. Sorry, so, bro. I, this had to happen. Right hook. Favorite or otherwise, you stormed that court. I never got to as, as a student at Iowa State. I'm not going to knock on the students. Storm that court. I'm never yeah. anti-court storming. That's awesome. I'm never anti-storming the field. Maybe my favorite one of all time is Kansas storming the field against FCS opponent South Dakota because it was like their first win in like a year and a half. That was hilarious. Awesome. Like let the kids have fun. That's all I'm going to say. They're college kids. Just, just let them have fun. Yeah. You got to let them have fun. You got to let them cook. Mm. I think we can all walk away with two things from this episode. Storm the court and please send the video because I need to see it. I need to see it. I think we I think we can end right there. I think we've said all we need to say. Go Cyclones, not a game till Saturday at Baylor. Take in some college basketball. Iowa State picks up on Saturday. I think that one's at 7 p.m. on the road in Waco with a terrible camera angle. Yeah, if you get altitude sickness, yeah. Be prepared. If you have vertigo, maybe maybe listen to that one on, on radio. Knowing knowing Dylan's immune system this winter season i wouldn't be i wouldn't hold it past him so yeah I, i'm gonna stay safe i'm turning the corner we're back baby we need I, to put I you in a, a bubble fever. i had a fever and the only prescription was hilton magic and i'd do it again i'd do it again all right that's all i got nigel anything to say hey man storm the court send a video end a story let him cook <laughs>